Stop trying to change the whole internet. Just change your own feed and be part of the solution. And it's an absolute joy. Hello and welcome to the Life on This Podcast. It is me, Sanderson, here, your host, or I will be later. And uh, what we do on the Life on This Podcast is we discuss you know, the big questions in life, the things which are of greatest import. And today we have a campaigner, an author, a storyteller. Uh, what else does she do? Uh, she's a writer and she can talk about kindness. Her name is Bernadette Russell. And she has developed this whole campaign and really an ethos around kindness. And she brings it to life in a way which I just absolutely love. And I can't wait to introduce you to her unless you are very familiar with her work before. In which case, well, welcome to the place where you can get great amount of Bernadette Russell. Uh, and uh, as ever, if this is your first time, then the Life on This Project is much more than just a podcast. We are sort of like a secular church, but online. So we meet in small groups to uh, really go and support each other in the tricky things in life and to think about those big questions which you can sometimes miss in the day-to-day. -day. So all the details are like, I'm, you know, in the podcast link and such. I'm going to get out of the way now so you can have the maximum amount of Bernadette Russell. I really hope you love this conversation as much as I did. Uh, and uh, welcome, Bernadette uh, Russell. It is wonderful to have you here. Bernadette, you are a storyteller, a, a poet, a campaigner, an activist, uh, and uh, a big believer in kindness and hope. And oh, I forgot an author, throwing that in there. Uh, how's it going? Thanks. It, it, very well, thank you. It's There's an alarming amount, as you all know, Sanderson, there's an alarming amount of water in southeast London. Um, so there's that to report. All right, very good. And James, co-host with the Mo-host, uh, what are... <laughs> that would be a good division. I'll be the Mo-host and you can be the co-host. What a sort of uh, demeaning uh, couple of job titles that would be. Uh, how, I love what's, it. The, what's the dampness level of Missouri at the moment? It's pretty wet today, actually. It's not flooding or anything, but it's pretty rainy for the first time in a little while. Well, this is going to be a very damp podcast because I'm going to report the same thing from uh, Leytonstone in East London. And uh, Bernadette, the way we kick this off is we always ask uh, people, what was the religious, spiritual, philosophical uh, or philosophical background to your childhood? And you can answer that in as broad or sort of narrow way as you would like. No, I love this. So it was a massive influence on me. So I was, my parents weren't religious, but I very much took to the church because I really liked the windows and decorating oranges for Christingle. Plus, but I'm not being disrespectful, I also absolutely loved Jesus because I was taught by a brilliant Sunday school teacher, called, a Greek lady called Mrs Hibdige, and she basically taught me that Jesus was a magician who really liked animals, who had massive parties. So she, we, we were sold on him. I mean, who wouldn't be? I mean, what's not to like? No, he was lovely, and I still very much like Jesus. So she, she was like, yeah, he's, he's really great. He was really kind to animals and children, really good at having parties. He was a magician, so it was fantastic. Plus, 
she smelt of coffee so from that I got a sort of yearning to be kind like Jesus was and also to drink really strong coffee but I don't mean to be disrespectful because Christianity is a is and was a massive influence on me, positive influence on me. Yeah. And would you categorise yourself as Christian still, or what's no. been the no, no? No, no. So I, and again, I don't mean to be facetious or disrespectful. So I went to church, which wasn't something my parents did. I was confirmed at eleven, and this is true, and I know it's not going to sound true, but when I was in the service, I thought, yeah, I don't believe this, and I was actually being confirmed, and then so I never, I didn't. I stopped going to church after that though I really missed the sort of storytelling and I know I missed I kind of missed Jesus I missed the kindness I missed the sort of the yearning to to see the best in people so I really sort of missed that although I didn't miss church and then yeah and then sort of it's only recently I thought no I can I can still I can really still like that and connect to it I don't have to be a, a sort of officially affiliated with it, but I can still great, get great inspiration from it. So I'm not a Christian, have many Christian friends, have many Muslim friends, have many Hindu friends. Very, I'm not, an, I wouldn't describe myself as an atheist at all. Um, yeah, so there's lots to learn, isn't there, from, from all of it. I mean, for sure. By the way, when you were just saying, I've got lots of Christian friends, I've got lots of Hindu friends, I was like, not so much. Oh no, she's going to say something which is offensive to everyone now because that is the classic <laughs> sort of precursor to saying something. I was like, oh no, but oh no, I get it now. Did you think you thought I was building up to a massive yes, like, like an absolute humdinger? No, actually, Sanderson, when we first met, when I a long time ago now, when I was hmm. first exploring kindness, that was actually one of my the the, the sort of strands I w wanted to investigate because I was like, actually, religion is the cause of, 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 of difficulties and great harms. But also I wanted to sort of connect with the other side of it, the positive side of it, and had loads of conversations with people from different religious and belief system backgrounds, all of whom said, talked about kindness and said, yes, this is how we practice kindness. This is what, all of them, all of them. Um, and so I found that really encouraging. That's a place where all of us can meet, humanists, Christ whatever, we can meet in kindness. And the second question we ask is normally what would be uh, one thing that we could sort of uh, learn from religions? And you've already said kindness. You can either go into that one or you can just go and have another have another thing. But, um, yeah, that's the... I think that's the place where that we can meet in, in, in the kindness space. And it's my understanding that's um, all, all of the world's major and minor religions meet in that place. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's how we met when you were sort of speaking about kindness and you've got some amazing projects which we're going to get into. And it's really wonderful when people really identify what is their value, that like this is something which is just driving in your life, this thing which sort of governs like what you do, you know, you can see these parallels and these things. So like, like what does it feel like when you really connect to kindness? That's such a... Great question, thank you. Um, in the first year, which was 10 years ago now, it's the 10 year anniversary this year, I, it was frequently, uh, I experienced euphoria. I literally got like probably an oxytocin high and sometimes experienced extreme fear and panic and all of it was quite, it was a bit of a roller coaster. It was like the sort of Pepsi Max challenge of years. Since then I'd say, I think I thought in that year, I'm, I'm not, I, 
I used to be embarrassed to say this, but I think I thought, when I've done a year, I'll know everything about kindness in the similar way that I thought that when I did long division, I'd know everything about maths. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're like a kid. And then at the end of it, I was like, and I'm still learning now, still learning, because there's so much more to learn. So I think it's very useful because it's given me a sort of purpose. I call it my, if it doesn't sound too pretentious, it's like a direct direction. It's like a true north. So if I feel lost or unsure, I just go back to that. And by that, I mean, go back to doing an act of kindness for someone. I literally just do it. If, if I'm stuck or if I'm cross or I've had a terrible day. And, I, and over the years as well, I've learned a little bit more about self-compassion, which is important too, but I found more difficult. It's just really helpful to have something for times when you're unsure to say, this is the thing that I think gives me purpose or meaning. When you're talking, it really does sound as though, you know, I could use this conversation when speaking about secular spirituality. What does it mean? And I know you're there's secular, there might be some sort of idea behind it, but it's like you have gone and found a value. And when you're down, it helps to guide you and get you back. Uh, you, you don't feel good the whole time just because you've got kindness in your life, but it helps it, doing it can help you get back on track. Then it also, you know, you it's a, a compass. It's like this embodied sense of knowing uh, where to where to go. And actually also that when you were speaking about your first year of encountering it, uh, I that really struck me about when I wrote my first comedy show. And comedy was really stretching it sometimes, depending on the audience. Uh, my first show uh, of like really thinking about life and death. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot, but like just when you go and find something you throw yourself into and you become like enter a sort of spiritual place with it, and that's uh sometimes you can do it just suddenly feels that it's so big this idea this whole new space inside yourself uh but then as life goes on you know you might not hit those sort of peaks as often but then it's that sort of slow like steady tug it's the ballast underneath you and uh yeah that was just really sort of chimed with uh, a lot of the sort of conversations that we're having around this idea james what did uh what came to your mind when you were hearing that wonderful description of, you know, how to use kindness to guide you? Well, I was just wondering why kindness, you know, how did you come up on that as the thing that was most important to you? Yeah. Um, so I was in, I was, thanks for asking. That's a, I like answering this question because it, it reminds me how long ago it was. So it was about, so 10 years ago, uh, now in uh, on 18th of August 2011 I was at the Edinburgh Festival with a show that I'd taken up there and the riots broke out in London uh, the the riots of that year which also spread to Bristol and Birmingham further afield and in the back of my mind pr previously to that I'd been getting really ground down by the enormity of, of the accumulated problems of the world I mean, you know from oil shortages to you know famine to constant war the large and the small things had been in the back of my mind. And I was thinking, I'd just written this musical about um, the discovery of anaesthetics in the 19th century. And I was like, that is great. And it's entertaining, wow. but I'm not sure. I know. COVID <laughs> I was, I was like, like, well, that's not a topic I would have immediately thought was right for musical theatre adaptation, but yeah, fantastic. Please, please can you tell me the name of some of your songs? 
it's um life is pain i didn't write that song wow I didn't, I didn't write that song it was a team of us but so we yeah. but basically even though i was very happy with it i was like i'm not i'm not entirely sure i don't really necessarily think this now but I was like, i'm not sure what i'm contributing once i saw once the television and i was on and london was on fire and there was this horrific media response racist anti-poor anti-young response to the riots that were far worse than the riots it was horrible and when i came back i was just you know my my next door neighbors had had their shop had been destroyed there were countless stories and um i had started to see as well when i came back to london lovely things like a friend of mine dan thompson organized a riot cleanup people were doing other things so i was in this sort of frame of mind at the post office and there was a boy in me in front of me in the queue at the post office and he didn't have enough money to pay for his stamp so i paid for it for him and he was really he kind of got teary he was so grateful i'd only given him 50p and i was like wonder what, what would happen if i did that every day would that make any difference to how i feel into just the world so i got it was the middle of the week it was a random day i got back on the bus got home and said to my partner gareth i'm going to try and do a kind thing for a stranger every single day for a year and see if i can change the world so it was spontaneous inspired by the riots yeah that's an amazing story only slightly spoiled by me trying to like think of 19th century uh anesthetologist songs uh as you were saying it and l g sick when you're real sick chlorophyll and then so i, I you should have done it with us i mean uh, i should, should i tell you what i think your kindness project took it a lot better i was really finding it hard to rhyme something with chloroform ether i think we found some rhymes with ether ether good ether good I, Whoa. and it's a long time yeah, ago no, now. so and and um, all of these suggestions from me are bad so but please do go and uh, uh catch that on netflix our composer managed to rhyme to find a rhyme for perineum. Oh, oh lovely! That is so, that's all very anybody nice. wants, isn't it? Yeah. Really? I'm going to leave that with you. Yeah, that is uh, a wonderful image uh, to go and take into this question. And then, so this is that when I first met you, this is what you were talking about, and like it also really speaks to me of finding one thing and, and doing it, and that that does change the world in, uh, in, in, in a very real way. It's, uh, you know, like we've got this idea that everything's got to change, but you know, nothing changes that quickly ever. And, and so then what did you do with this, uh, like with this story? Like how did it grow and develop and where did it lead you? It's four questions. Well, well, you're right. What you said, actually, what, what, what I learned one was that there's something really powerful about daily practice. So whether that's yoga or going for a run, there's something about daily practice which is utterly transformative. It's also quite hard. Secondly, <laughs> but it pays off. Secondly, absolutely what you said, Sanderson, I understood through practice that small is immensely powerful as long as you keep on, <laughs> you keep on doing the small thing. So those are the two things for me. But also what happened was the greatest gift was I saw that in the world is full of kindness and that the story we're told, the story, the narrative of the world is people ain't no good, like Nick Cave sang, um, that the world is full of horrors and cruelty and greed and selfishness. And yet, and yet, I, I feel that's not true because otherwise there'd be people running around the road running around the roads in Deptford now with 
attacking each other. There's not. I think the default position of human beings in order to serve surviving, if you like, is kindness and cooperation. And actually, I started to see it. So I was doing these acts of kindness, but more importantly, I started to see them all the time, everywhere, like that little boy that saw dead people, but nicer. <laughs> <laughs> You saw so kind people. Yeah. It's not quite so supernatural. That was the first morbid. version of the film. And they're like, M. Night, come on, mate. This is yeah. not. Uh, and the twist is they're actually already mean. No, back to the drawing board. Uh, the, but what's, when you're speaking about this, it really chimes with another guest we had on our podcast, uh, who uh, Tanya Lerman. And she went and studied really how religious people end up believing. And one of the things she did is it's about noticing. And so if you've got this idea that uh, in her case, like she, she looked at people who went and studied Santeria, the Santeria, like that's a Brazilian sort of Brazilian or Cuban sort of voodoo associated thing. And, and then as you're getting into that, like a huge part is you've got to notice when they're at work, you've got to notice when they're doing things, when people go and convert to uh protestant like evangelical protestantism a huge part of it is discernment like are you like oh was that god you got to notice it and and actually by starting to go and look out for these things in your case you really you created a religion around kindness of like you went and and so you started noticing it and guess what you saw it everywhere and that's not that it's a lie but like you were you were able to notice and then probably people treated you more kindly I reckon no, as well. Most or definitely. Not. <laughs> yeah. Most I mean, yes, most definitely. I mean it's it's extraordinary how much kindness I receive. I also get sent quite a, I would say it's not an exaggeration to say almost daily get sent things through the post now. From other people, from random people, from people who you've been kind to. Sometimes people I've been kind to. I get sent a lot of like I got sent a beautiful bouquet of dried flowers just which said love from glasgow i don't know where they were from so that happens the first that... person ever to get any love from glasgow <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing oh i expect billy Connolly did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and rangers uh... um so yes you're absolutely right you you do notice it and you and it also effortlessly i began to practice gratitude before i'd heard the practice of gratitude is beneficial because I was receiving so much positivity and I also I'm an introvert so I and I was kind of making myself approach strangers talk to strangers every single day it, and it was tiring but it was also amazing and I made this rule for myself which I remember speaking to you about Sanderson which was don't always approach people that you just like the look of because that's too easy so sometimes I would deliberately go to people who I might think well they're a bit grumpy or they look a bit scary and what was extraordinary is I had all these beautiful, and now it's thousands of conversations with people really go in the deep end. I just say to people, would you accept this or can I help you? And they'd say, what are you doing? And I'd say, oh, I'm doing, um, I'm doing a good, my good deed for the day because people know what that is. And then they'd say, yeah. and then they tell me the most extraordinary things. I've been invited to complete strangers' houses for dinner. Uh, I've been just gifted loads of things. I've had the most extraordinary conversations. So. You're right that you see it, but I see it because it's there and because and then I set myself up single handedly against the monstrous, negative, not solutions driven media, because I saw that there was only one version of this of the world being told and it wasn't the version that I was seeing.
like I'd love to, to just share more of these things, like how you turned it into a practice, though not without saying that, no, not without saying that you, you did slightly just do the pull the hipster. I was doing gratitude practices before they were cool. You know, like when someone's heard a band. But it's there. true, Sanderson. It <laughs> I, you know I don't people... know whether it's, I don't know whether it's cool though, is it? No, no, no. You know, you know, hipsters have always gone and done the heard the band before you've done it and whatever it might be. But you, 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 you really were. You really were. Well, uh, one of the amazing things was that around me, obviously, there was loads of people doing things around kindness before, way before, right back to Mrs. Hibdige and Jesus. And then <laughs> it's a direct what? lineage, Jesus, <laughs> yada yada yada, Bernadette Russell. <laughs> I, yeah, well, okay, <laughs> and then. But after, but I, but what's happened since? I don't know whether you two agree. Is this growing conversation? So I don't think it's that people are doing it more, but that it's become more of a conversation. Has has gratitude practice, etc. So that was exciting to be part of that. Um, I noticed that it got quite academicized, which though I think there's a there's a place for sort of academic study in it all. I was kind of glad that I wasn't that. You know, I'm I'm not an academic. I'm an artist and. I'm a working class person that lives in social housing and on the Peeps estate in Deptford, you know, and, and so um, that not that that makes me better than those people, but I was like, it's really important that there are lots of voices in this conversation about kindness. There are lots of different perspectives on it. So I guess I was lucky to be here because I felt like I was having conversations with lots of different kinds of people. And I think when, when you're an artist as well, you get to you get to talk to all kinds of different, it's a bit like being the fool or like the joker. You just get to talk to loads of different kinds of people. So I'm, I felt, I'm going to say grateful, but I did feel really grateful for that. And even though I've engaged with academics who, who were researching kindness and it's very interesting, I'm glad that I've stayed just talking to people at bus stops as well. It's really important, I think. Yeah, I think that there's there's certainly something that I've lost since no longer you know no longer really doing stand up in any meaningful way. The uh, one less funny. Uh, the but uh, the uh, the uh, but but like you do have a sort of past to go and be able to connect with things slightly in a different way. And like it's I I'm also in order to try to get life on this established, you know, have to go and I'm putting together a grant, a research grant at the moment and connecting with universities of people who are really interested. And that's really great. But there's, what is it about the fool? What is it about the, the artist, which, you know, makes them sort of particularly uh, useful in this space? You know, James, what's, what do you see in this sort of role? Well, I think that there's the element of questioning questioning kind of norms and how society usually does something which is a big part of what artists do and a, a part of being a creative person I guess also I'm hearing that you you find a sort of freedom to approach this practice in a personal way it sounds to me like you don't have to prove anything to anyone else this works for you and you've seen it and, and I'm wondering what are some examples like what are some stories of the kindnesses that you have done and how they've impacted people. Do you must have some great stories? Yeah, I've got, I mean, have to, one of the things was that actually, because I was interacting with strangers, I, I often didn't see them or never, never knew what the end of the story was. So the, the, the stories I do, I do have stories, but they're less, 
they're less um, common than, than me not having stories because I just didn't know what happened. And so I also had to say, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust that it's going to have a positive or at least a neutral effect and let that go. So that's a really important thing to learn because otherwise you'll get really bent out of shape if you're trying to get the re a result. Yes. Um, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, sure. But one thing I'm going to tell you a funny, so I love this story. It's, I left my, you know, sometimes you nip down to the shop and you've just got your, your pajamas or your flip flops on or your, and I, I went to the shop to get some milk and I saw this lady, quite a small lady, and she's carrying these massive shopping bags. This was in the middle of the first year. So I said, oh, can I please let me help you carry your shopping bags? And she said, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anyway, so, and I've only, I've got my pajamas on and my flip flops and I've told my partner <laughs> I'm just going out to get some milk two minutes ago. <laughs> So we're walking, these bags, I don't know how she was carrying, it was heavy for me, and she, I had half, and she still had half. 40 minutes later. What? I'm not exaggerating, 40 minutes later, I kept saying to her, how were you going to get home? She was telling me this story about her, her son was the first person in her family to go to university, he was coming back, they were going to cook kids dinner, so we got there, my hands were all bitten, you know when your hands get bitten by the Yeah, person? yeah, yeah. She let me in, 40 minutes, I'm exhausted. I was thinking, I wonder, Gareth's going to wonder where on earth I've gone. And um, she was like, God sent you to me. I can't, thank you so much, Jesus, for sending you to me. And I was I was like, yeah, trust God to get the credit. I've got to <laughs> squash hands. That's um, so right. No, but she was lovely. <laughs> she was lovely. She said, come in. Then she invited me for dinner. And I, did, I didn't stay for dinner that night. I didn't. I went home and I said to Gareth, gosh, I'll... I'm sorry, I know it was a really long time. I didn't even notice. I hadn't even noticed. But that was, I don't know, there was something really beautiful about that. How strenuous it was, how grateful she was, how much it meant to her. Even that, you know, when she said, oh, you were sent by some, it was just lovely that I was there to help her. Um, and another time, I my friend said to me, will you please make a card for my friend Stuart because he's had a horrible time. I didn't know Stuart. I made him a card, I posted it. And a few months later, he got in touch with me and he said, I couldn't get in touch with you before because I was completely overwhelmed that a stranger would have made me something so beautiful. So I took quite a long time to make him this card and write something so beautiful. And he said, it's the first thing that kind of got me out of bed because I'd been so depressed. But I thought, if someone can do this, if someone can do this, then I can get out of bed. We're still friends. We're still very good friends. We weren't friends before. And also I'd put a picture, a randomly cut out picture of... Um, Harold Lloyd and he loves Harold Lloyd and I didn't know that so that's just a couple of little things um but there are yeah there are lots I made a lot of posters um for strangers that I gathered off uh, Twitter and Facebook on the outside window of my house because I live on the eight mile mark of the London Marathon and I was waiting and this man came past and he said oh do you know where the starting line is and I told him I said oh I'll quickly make a poster for you. And then his family came and joined me and I made a poster for him which hung in the window. And we have stayed friends. We're still friends to this day. He then started a campaign for the NHS, which was based around my my third book, The Little Book of Kindness. But he stayed friend we've stayed friends. So I have yeah, I've I've got I've kept friends with some people. Um and other people randomly I'll see on Twitter, someone will say, This woman just gave me Christmas card in the middle of Walthamstow out of the blue and then eventually the message comes back to me because someone will know it was me that did it so what it did was it reintroduced a, a kind of wonder into the world for me as well 
a kind of magic because um, because of people's reactions and because it allows you to be mischievous. You know what? Magic was uh, not the word that I was thinking of. I was thinking of like there's something intuition of, uh, you know, when people sort of start to talk about when you go and get into the zone, some things like uh, synchronicity, that sort of word, which, you know, that sets some people's teeth on edge. Uh, but, you know, it starts to, you know, you were manifesting this reality for yourself. You went out and you acted in a way that was kind. And then guess what? Kindness came back to you. I was wondering whether there's like, what have you learned about kindness uh, when doing this? How's your like idea of what it is changed? Yeah, I think it's broadened and it's deeper as well. So for example, it's such a spiritual practice, by the way, with that answer there, uh, just, you went, it's broader and it's deeper. I was like, oh my gosh, you really, you really have to, you, you found, you found your divinity, like this thing. Have with, I? Well, that oh. not, like that, that's just my language of it. No, but you found something that you're committing to. And as you do it, it's like, you know, it's broadening and deepening. And that's what I would say happens in a spiritual practice. And you, you know, you're researching it and learning from it. It's, uh, it's amazing. I think, no, I'm really glad you said that because I do think of it as a spiritual practice now. I would say that only this year because I was a bit shy of that word i guess but lots of things changed this year so but what one i think so for example in the first year i met this really lovely lady in a pub and she'd had a she told me she had a really bad day so i ran to the shop and i bought her a bunch of yellow roses she told me she liked yellow i brought them back to her i gave her the yellow roses now i wouldn't do that now because those yellow roses were imported from south africa and wrapped in single wrap plastic so i probably i'm not judging anyone for buying yellow roses in cellophane but for myself that's not kind to the environment it's not probably not kind to South African flower sellers I don't know so I would probably have gone and tried to grab her some wildflowers and wrap them in a piece of tissue and written her a poem so that's so so thinking about that and I have to give credit to a dear friend of mine um Sarah Corbett for some of that thinking who mm, runs Craft of I didn't know Collective. you know Sarah. Yeah, we're good friends. So oh. she, in a, in a really helpful way, sort of through observing her work and knowing her work and talking to her many times, just made me think about, you know, thinking it through a little bit. So thinking if I buy a bunch of yellow flowers that cost one forty nine that have flown in from South Africa that are wrapped in single-use cellophane, when I say broadened and deepened, that, that's what I mean. Um, and, and sometimes that means things take longer. I also used to be very public about my daily acts of kindness and I don't do that anymore because sometimes it's not appropriate. So, um, yeah, um, but I keep up the, the sort of, not, I do quite a lot of quite mischievous things. Like I leave, I used to, before COVID, leave a lot of letters inside books in Waterstones for people to find. And I used to leave things on people's doorsteps and knock the door and mm. run away. Um, <laughs> So all of that sort of stuff, I'm looking forward to getting back to that because I haven't been able to do that. James, what would you say is like your uh, definition of kindness? What are the key components to it? Well, I was thinking a lot about this before we discussed with you, because I think kindness is a very underappreciated value in our culture today. I don't think we speak a lot about kindness and I don't think that for instance, online culture is very kind. 
Like it's it's it can be quite harsh and um, demanding, but I don't think that it is often very kind. At least that's my experience of it. So I was thinking, what does it really mean to be kind? And I, I guess it's so easy to make it such an anodyne value. It's like, oh, it's kind of like being nice to people, which is a very kind of weak sounding value to me. But for me, kindness is something bigger and broader than that. It's, I guess, treating people with respect and dignity. It's not just a kind of surface level niceness, but trying to extend to other people a consideration they don't necessarily extend to you, something like that. I don't know. That's as good as I can do so far. As you were talking, James, I just thought of kind Twitter. Oh my gosh. I'd no, that's to impossible to imagine. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. What a no, I, I totally disagree with you both on that. Absolutely disagree. Oh, really? Good. My, so I, one of the things that I did when I first started doing kindness 10 years ago, was I love social media. So I was like, actually, we've got this amazing, quite democratizing platform in a lot of ways, and that there's enormous power here. And I kept seeing people complaining about it. I was just like, well, don't do it then, which sounds a bit harsh, but actually the thing to do is to pass on and share positive stories, pass on and share good news, pass on and share solutions-driven journalism, share jokes, share funny cat videos, um, encourage people who are doing well, post good reviews. You can do all of those things because you, you can't change people who are going to just be mean for the sake of it. But you know what? Block them. What are you going to learn? Just get, block them. So I'm pretty ruthless about uh, blocking people, if I'm honest, if it's not helpful, if I can't learn anything and I'm not managing to engage in a conversation. And I, every single day I post and have done for years now, a positive news story, solutions driven news journey, and it changes your feed. So, so mine's really lovely. <laughs> this is and, and, what and it, I love to hear. <laughs> This it's is the beautiful. most practical thing which has come and not that your stuff hasn't but like to me I'm just like I need to go and channel this and inject it into my head. You should do it because it because it changed so it, it I guess it changes up the algorithms but it doesn't make I mean I do get a lot of really sort of lovely funny quirky stories but I also get a lot of solutions driven journalist stories so they're hard, it's hard news but the emphasis is on solutions the emphasis is on well, then what, you know, and there are loads of amazing, you know, good, good news, uh, good news shared, uh, positive news. Um, Becky Barnes has just brought out a new newsletter. There's lots of amazing, she's also a friend of mine. Ah, oh, she's a Sunday yeah. Assemblyist. Yeah. So there's lots of things you can engage with. And I think people get mixed up. They think that means that all they're going to be looking at are gerbils being friends with kittens, which we love, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, like what, oh, what we're not monsters, but also yeah. you get, <laughs> also you get stories. Um, you know, uh, I uh, recently, I found out about, um, a couple of villages in rural Bangladesh who are entirely independent from the, the energy grid by producing their own solar village, solar panel energy grid. So, um, you can do it really easily. I think the, it, the, the thing is, is to stop trying to change the whole internet, just change your own feed and be part of the solution. And it's an absolute joy. I'm going to cut that bit out and shove it at the top of the this podcast. Mav, you know what to do, Mr. Producer Man, because, uh, yeah, it's so weird. There I am whining about this stuff. And yet it is me. I'm in the prison of my own choosing as I decide that because 
like much of the culture is like this, that in fact, you know, that's what it's got to be. And it's really, I think a lot of these things, whilst it's easy to blame tech platforms for it, you know, it's all, also how we interact and the things we like, retweet and uh, solicit. And then there's, it's all well and good for uh, journalists to go, oh my God, I can't believe Facebook have got this algorithm which goes and sort of circulates it. Like newspapers have been doing it for years. That thing of like, if it bleeds, it leads. Like that is how news has been decided. And even they do surveys on what people consider the news. And if it is uh, less than 70% bad news, then you no longer think of it as news. I'd and also challenge that. I'd also challenge I'm saying that. that this is, I'm saying that this is from surveys that people have done. Yeah, no, I, sorry, sorry to be like, I, I think it's worth re. I think that something shifted in COVID about news, um, and I. So I I first connected with this sort of solutions-driven journalism via via watching Martin Lewis, the wonderful journalist who tried to say, "Shall we get rid of the if it bleeds it leads kind of thing?" Has been on a fight. I think since 1993 to change this. The conversation is growing, and the. The circulation of print newspapers and to an extent other mainstream media sources is sinking and they're and they're sticking by old ideas that is it's got to be negative in order for people to buy it now that may well be true in good times but in times when we're actually looking at terrifying terror you know we've had a pan we've lived through a pandemic I'd, people actually really enjoy seeing positive solutions driven journalism they don't want to know nobody wants to hear the end of the world is nigh they might want to hear it if Jake Gyllenhaal's wearing a vest and talking about it in a film. But in real life, no, we need to, and we are hungry for solutions-driven journalism. And those, I think it's indicative that all of the major, all of the major news out outlets in the UK and the US have now got a good news platform, all of them, without exception. And that used to be rare even a few years ago. Really? Where do you find that? I've never seen one. Yes, Huffington Post has got one, The Guardian's got one, uh, The New York Times has got one, all of them. All and of I'm going to go and dig in with James because the look on James's face was uh, with uh, uh, meeting this news was one of like, really, is this true? Like, what are your thoughts on this, uh, this view of news? I think that it might be possible to carve a more positive bubble for yourself. And I think that's a very important thing to do. I don't think it's possible to engage in discussion of all the most contentious topics like politics, religion, and and do that within that sort of bubble. I mean, I, I just know from my own experience of, for instance, Twitter, that the most successful people on that platform are the ones who are the most contentious and unpleasant. And, but how would and you that, define success? They're the big, they get the biggest reach, right? That's, they're the people And who, why is that your definition of success? Well, that's, I think that is the definition of the reach of, you know, someone with a platform. If you, if you have something to say and you can reach more people than someone else, you're kind of winning in the cultural war. That's how ideas get spread. You reach people. I see that with my own tweets. You know, I feel it. It's a real difficult challenge because I know that if I am more sharp edged with the things I put out, they'll be shared more and more people will see them and that will increase my profile. And I don't want to interact like that, which is why I have basically no um, Twitter presence at all. But it's 
it just is a fact of the platform. I mean, there's tons maybe, of research about it. But we probably just need to challenge ourselves on that, on, on the whole sort of hunger for likes and follows. And actually, if you don't engage with that, you just make a decision about how you're going to engage and how you're going to tell your story. And your reach is to less people, but you're having an interesting conversation. Then maybe we need to challenge. I'm talking to myself right now as well. Maybe we need to challenge ourselves on that. You know, I sometimes find myself check social media and I'm like, hmm, nobody likes that. But I've had my hair cut. God damn you. You know. So, so I think I think we just because it's it's strangely infantilizing, isn't it? That we all want to be liked. We want to be liked. We want to be followed. We want to be all of that. Actually. If it's about having an interesting, informative conversation, if it's led by kindness, by curiosity, by holding on to hope, then that's better. It doesn't matter how many people are ranting and raving. Marcus Rashford has a very positive output, for example. He's, he's very critical of the government, though. Come on, he's extremely combative. He really attacks and he gets a lot of hits because of it. Well, I think that sometimes he doesn't necessarily, again, like the way he'll, he'll often speak about the injustice and he's got such a big platform that it goes like, I'm not a Marcus Rashford tweet expert. No, I'm not. He's, he's not. He's not necessarily sharp tongued. I also think there's something in this, which is, you know, we're sort of speaking as though like that is how things work. Like they work like that because there's a decision by someone who's like, oh yeah, this is how you go and get you know this is how people get most addicted to our product and so like winning at a game which you don't think should be the game it seems to be uh like very much something which is uh you know will uh make the rest of the world lose you're sort of saying oh this isn't how it should be but i really want to be part of it and that is again speaking to myself as much as anyone yeah uh, i think it feels the whole of social media still feels to me like the wild west you know we're all sort of still behind barrels aren't we sort of with our guns and but it has enormous potential to be very powerful and good and i'm not i'm not saying i've worked it out and i don't have a lot of followers i don't i don't i'm not um confrontational if something's happened and i'm like oh that's awful i will wait until i can find something that i can share that's a way of offering a solution or at least a way of helping because I've made the decision to do that I probably would have a lot more social media followers if I joined in the rant I saw something from someone very famous who I'm not going to mention because it wouldn't be fair around the time of Trump's election this famous person put president I won't swear president swear face has to go and this person got like you know millions and millions of retweets and I was like what was the point of that what is the point of that tweet? Because it just made me feel a bit cynical about this person. And I, I, I thought it was unkind, it was unhelpful. I didn't, I wasn't a fan of President Trump, but I don't see how that's contributing to the conversation. And so I felt really disappointed actually. I was like, let's, let's say, why not say, I hope, um, you know, I hope America begins to heal after tonight. Why not say that? Why, but, you're right, actually, because what that proved was that saying President Swearface has to go got a result. So you're you're right. But I don't think that means it's the only way or necessarily the right thing to do. Like, well, I know that we're you know, we're 
like this is a, a podcast where like living an ethical life and is if if you can do this thing and it makes you more successful but it is ultimately wrong thing to do but you are playing the game within the rules that is as it is defined should you do it well no if it is the if it is the wrong thing to do you know you do great numbers by that uh by sort of like being insulting or competitive and all the rest and it does go and feed this thing inside you where you're just, that's oh, too that's perfect it. but like i think that that has genuinely changed how we interact with each other it's changed how we go and think of our neighbors it's like this like solving this problem it's all there's a bit of me it's like oh my god you're sort of uh, three people with not that many social media followers sort of complaining about the system but what the but i think there's something really serious about like how we i'm not complaining about the system though i'm not complaining i'm saying it's on us all we can do is change our interaction I don't think that has no power. It doesn't have as much power as, you know, I don't, with my 10,000 followers, or whatever, I don't have as much power as someone with 100,000 followers, but it doesn't have none. That's lovely. It doesn't yeah. have none. Mm. Um, so we, we, we can't be defeated because it's, you know, we began this conversation talking about in praise of small action, didn't we? Well, this is it. <laughs> That's a small action, you know, not, not, not joining in. I mean, I'm not, gosh, and it's also not being reactive, which my friends who are, you know, psychotherapists and counsellors I've learned from just, <laughs> it invites you to be reactive, doesn't it? You feel like going, typing out, oh, bugger off, you famous idiot. But the thing to do is to, to learn to not react. It's not really our fault. The actual platform is set up to invite us to react. That's literally what they've got AIs and people with like 17 PhDs designing these things so that you end up going, you swear face. I love, well, I love, we, we always tell people on this podcast they're allowed to swear. And I genuinely will drop in a few curses just so that people know that they can. But you swear face is just, I think it's going to have to go into. I think Show we Lord. should keep that, don't you? I think yeah. that should be ours. By the way, when you were saying, when, because you said, you always say thank you whenever we ask a question, it's very nice. And it made me think that, so today, uh, I take huge pride in my son Ragnar being polite. And it's, uh, he's very, he's pleased, thank you. Uh, and he just really goes and does it. Like he says, it's really good on his pleases and thank yous. And it makes me, when people say it, it makes me very proud. Uh, and then that today I, uh, taught him how to say when uh, if someone says thank you to go my pleasure <laughs> and you'll just and uh, and then i love uh, that i also love funny. that his name is ragnar yeah it's a good name that he is just, a 10 out of 10 name he met someone uh our next door uh, next door new next one we moved here we don't really have that many friends and their uh, daughter's called agnes so it's aggles and raggles i'm like it sounds like a children's clothing brand uh, the, uh, that is brilliant. You should get that book written, Sanderson. <laughs> I know he's crying out for it. It's got such a sweet story as well. And, uh, well, we're getting to the end of our time together, Bernadette. Do you think that there's anything on kindness that, you know, that we've missed? There's so much because, you know, you've, it's your divinity. And that's, I officially endorse that position. Oh, I, I've got one more question for you, but is there, is there anything that you, uh, think is, important for people to understand about kindness it's connection to hope became something that i thought about and considered because i was working with a lot of people activists uh, and community activists and other activists who were continuing to being kind but were expressing hopelessness 
And I was intrigued by that. I was like, wow, even though you think it's pointless, you're still being kind, which is incredibly courageous, but also really sad. So, so, um, so I think, I think it's to acknowledge that it takes courage. Kindness does take courage, including being kind <laughs> online, not being tempted by all that nonsense of swear face that we've just been speaking about, and to acknowledge, acknowledge that courage, and also to remember to be kind to yourself, which I know is um is sort of bandied about a bit, but I'm not sure how good we are at it. It's not necessarily buying a tub of chocolate ice cream. It's learning to speak to yourself with respect and love, you know. And so, the, the yeah, just the last thing is the connection about hopes become a really massive thing, I suppose, during COVID. And um, again, I've considered and learned and come round to the fact that hope it's okay for your hope to be small it doesn't mean that you lack ambition or that you lack vision but that in difficult times it's okay to just hope to be kind to yourself by hoping that the next day is better or okay and to give yourself something to look forward to so i think it's really important right now that we are super kind to ourselves and each other the people immediately around us in every way we can be but also headline trust me your life will be improved immeasurably will be full of wonder and magic and strange things and dried flowers get getting sent through the post and people in the street just talking to you if you practice kindness every day it will change everything what changed which made you think actually this could be a spiritual practice kindness it's, I didn't really have a moment, Sanderson, which I hope isn't annoying. It was more a sort uh, of... End of interview. Yeah, it's boring. That's boring. <laughs> you should pretend to me that the signal cut. Sorry, Joe, we did so well. Swear face, swear face, James. Swear face. Um, yeah. yeah, just to sort of... Well, I think it was realising for me, because I had this sort of Christian childhood with Mrs Hibdige and the stories and my um, friendship with Jesus and realising actually that the things that, that worked for me, that connected for me then were the same as I'd found now. It was the same, it, that it actually was a faith. What it done, what it, it practising and noticing kindness had restored my faith in people and continues to, it's work, restored my faith in people and in myself actually. And in and in the vast possibilities of the of the world and all the creatures in the world, not just people creatures, even the swear faces. <laughs> it returned my faith to me. Yeah. Uh, and going back to Tanya Lerman, that Tanya Lerman interview, one of the things she says is that like sort of these practices they have a faith frame, which is like this. That's important. Like this idea of how the world is that you step into and uh yeah there's that has become that's her way of looking at these things that you've got this lens of kindness that you have stepped into and it's now uh both filtering how you see the world and then also gone and affected the world twisted the world around your own desires and practices so that that gets reflected back to you in all manner of ways and it is wonderful to hear i love that that um woman that you mentioned several times who sounds amazing has she written a book she has written a book and the book is called we've uh, got a podcast on it uh, the book's called how god becomes real 
And you've basically done the different practices of that around kindness, which is, I think, why when we say kindness, it's not feeling the same as when you say it. Because I'm sure when you think of kindness, like different parts of your body start to like go and like go and get a bit juicy and you're like, oh, but kindness is so much more than that. And you see it in the world. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you've gone and entranced yourself into a new world. Don't you see it in the world though, Sanderson? Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know. I see it as well, but life is my magic word. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I also see that, but for me, I go out and I sort of, uh, look at life and I, and, and then I'm, I'm grateful for all that life gives me. And when Ragnar and I go for a run, we say, uh, thank you for everything. We say, thank you for the foxes. And we say, thank you for being alive. And then he goes, thank you, Ragnar. And I go, yep, there we go. Practice of gratitude for yourself as well. Little Raggles. And so, uh, you know, so I, I do see it, but it's just a, uh, you know, like these, you know, we have these different words to get at, I would imagine some of the same experiences of being in the world. And, uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, do see it, but it's, uh, you've got, you've got your magic, you've got your magic thing. It's great. I love it. And that was the wonderful Bernadette. And so, yeah, I love that uh, conversation. She is a ray of sunshine. Um, and there's something about that simplicity of you know, just focusing on kindness, which is so powerful. And yeah, it also just goes and makes me realize how you know, just having something really clear like that, you know, how easy it is to communicate and then just living it out day to day. It is like I said to her, she's turned it into a practice, even though that is uh, my words, uh, not hers. And uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna gonna make me think about big thing around communication, lifefulness versus kindness. Hmm. What's gonna be the thing people remember more? Uh, and what's going on in the lifefulness community? Yeah, like I said at the top, there is the lifefulness small groups, and we've been like bringing on new members which is great. I don't I just love it. Uh, just having people like connect from all over the world. And yet there's something about building an organization or a community, which is like church, but which everyone can go to. That's the thing I say a lot, like a, you know, where you can go and explore the spiritual questions. Like when you bring people together under that banner, then the conversations are just so rich. So that's the thing I'm thinking about at the moment. Thanks so much to you for listening this far. And thanks to James, my uh, amazing co-host. Thanks to Bernadette. Thanks to Mavs, who is doing the uh, producing on this. And then thanks to Mirashot and Roman Rapak for the music that you're listening to right now. <laughs>